Welcome to the October 21st, 2021 episode of Blood Podcast, your source for innovative ideas and cutting-edge information. Our topics are based on articles published in Blood, a journal of the American Society of Hematology. First on today's podcast, we'll review results of a Phase 3 randomized study demonstrating shorter time to neutrophil and platelet recovery with an ex vivo expanded hematopoietic progenitor cell product called amadubicel as compared to standard umbilical cord transplantation. Next, we'll look at preliminary data on the development of lymphomas originating from piggyback-modified CD19 CAR T-cells, sounding a note of caution for researchers exploring new gene modification methodologies for CAR T-cell production. We'll conclude with a report suggesting that the vesicular protein CD63 may orchestrate the transfer of iron-rich ferritin among cells. The first research article is entitled Amadubicel versus Standard Myeloablative Umbilical Cord Blood Transplantation Results of a Phase 3 Randomized Study by Mitchell Horwitz of Duke University Medical Center and co-authors. In this multicenter randomized trial, transplantation with Amadubicel demonstrated faster neutrophil engraftment as opposed to standard umbilical cord grafts. Patients undergoing transplantation with amadubicel also experienced fewer early bacterial and viral infections, spent less time in the hospital, and had faster platelet recovery. In their research article, Horwitz and co-authors describe amadubicel as an important new source of hematopoietic stem cells for use in allogeneic hematopoietic stem cell transplantation, particularly for non-white patients who are underrepresented in donor registries. Umbilical cord blood transplantation has met with high rates of success in pediatric populations. However, its use in adult populations has been associated with increases in early treatment-related morbidity and mortality due to delayed hematopoietic recovery and immune reconstitution. Results in adults have improved due to the use of double umbilical cord units, refined conditioning regimens, and better supportive care. However, delayed hematopoietic recovery remains an issue. Amadubicel is a patient-specific cell product that includes a mixture of ex vivo expanded hematopoietic progenitor cells and non-expanded myeloid and lymphoid cells, all derived from a single umbilical cord blood unit. Expansion of progenitor cells was accomplished by culturing CD133 positive cord cells for 21 days with nicotinamide, FLT3 ligand, stem cell factor, and thrombopoietin, which had been shown in preclinical studies to increase the number of CD34-positive and CD38-negative cells. Further, in early-phase clinical studies, amadubicel was shown to expand both committed and long-term repopulating hematopoietic stem cells and appeared to shorten the time to neutrophil recovery. The current multicenter phase 3 clinical trial recruited patients aged 13 to 65 years with high-risk hematologic malignancies who were candidates for myeloablative allogeneic hematopoietic cell transplantation but lacked readily available matched sibling or matched unrelated adult donors. The patients were randomized to receive either myeloablative allogeneic hematopoietic cell transplantation using amadubicel or standard umbilical cord grafts. 
All patients underwent myeloablative conditioning regimens and received graft-versus-host disease prophylaxis. The cord blood units designated for Amidubacel were processed at two facilities, one in Maryland in the United States and one in Jerusalem, Israel. Altogether, 125 patients were randomized from 33 sites in North America, South America, Europe, and Singapore. About half the patients had acute myeloid leukemia, and one-third had acute lymphocytic leukemia. 16% of patients were black, 14% were Asian, 13% were Hispanic or Latino, and 3% were multiracial. The primary endpoint of the study was significantly in favor of the amidubacel arm. In the intent-to-treat analysis, median time to neutrophil recovery was just 12 days in the amidubacel arm, compared to 22 days for the control arm the p-value was less than 0.001. Altogether, 96% of patients receiving amidubacel experienced neutrophil engraftment by day 42 following transplantation, compared to 89% of controls. Platelet recovery was also faster in the amidubacel arm as compared to the control arm. 55% of patients in the amidubacel arm had platelet engraftment by day 42 following transplantation compared to 35% of controls, with a p-value of 0.028. Looking at the first 100 days following transplantation, patients receiving amidubacel spent less time in the hospital, as compared to those receiving standard umbilical cord blood grafts. Also over the first 100-day time period, 37% of amidubacel-treated patients had grade 2 to 3 bacterial or invasive fungal infection as compared to 57% for patients treated with a standard umbilical cord graft. There were no significant differences related to survival or graft-versus-host disease between arms, the investigators report in their research article. With a median follow-up of 10 months post-transplantation, deaths due to relapsed disease were reported in two patients who received amidubacel and four patients who received standard cord blood grafts. Four patients in each group died because of graft-versus-host disease. In a commentary on this study entitled, Cord Blood Expansion Has Arrived, Elizabeth J. Spall and Katayun Resvani of the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center said that cord blood expansion technologies such as Amadubacel may provide a paradigm-changing opportunity to use smaller and better HLA-matched units for cord blood transplantation. Although there are more than 1.5 million cord blood units in global inventories, many units are too small to support hematopoiesis, especially in adults, Spall and Resvani write in their commentary. They went on to describe the engraftment amidubacel as both robust and durable, and further that the authors should be congratulated for persevering to complete a multicenter study with a logistically complicated protocol that included central manufacturing facilities and patients distributed across multiple continents. They pointed to the challenges associated with the Amadubacel approach, which included a manufacturing failure rate of 10% and a 21-day manufacturing period, resulting in 14% of patients unable to receive treatment, mainly due to progressive disease. In the future, shorter culture durations or frozen off-the-shelf expanded products could extend this potentially life-saving therapy to a larger number of patients, according to the commentary authors. Overall, the results of the current study confirm that the Amadubacel approach safely overcomes delayed hematopoietic recovery.
which Horowitz and co-authors describe as the most vexing limitation of umbilical cord transplantation. In addition, Amadubasel reduced early transplant-related complications and hospitalization time as compared to standard umbilical cord blood transplantation. The authors say those findings, taken together, suggest that Amadubasel is a major therapeutic advance that should be considered a new standard of care for eligible adult patients. Next, let's turn to a research letter entitled Development of CAR T-Cell Lymphoma in Two of Ten Patients Effectively Treated with Piggyback-Modified CD19 CAR T-Cells. The first author is David C. Bishop of the Department of Hematology and the Blood Transplant and Cell Therapies Program, Westmead Hospital, Sydney, Australia. In this letter, Bishop and colleagues report details of lymphomas that originated from CAR T-Cells produced with the piggyback transposon system. The cause of the malignant transformation remains unknown, according to the investigators, who have voluntarily suspended further human trials until further investigations into pathogenesis are completed. By way of background, it is known that the CD19 CAR T-cells manufactured using viral vectors are remarkably effective in the treatment of B-cell malignancies. However, manufacturing individualized autologous products with viral vectors is costly, and results in treatment delays, as well as potential contamination with malignant B-cells. Furthermore, manufacture is not feasible in patients with insufficient T-cells. By contrast, the piggyback transposon system is an inexpensive, high-capacity, non-viral alternative for generating CAR T-cells using an allogeneic donor, according to Bishop and co-authors. Accordingly, the investigators launched a first-in-human Phase I clinical trial of donor-derived CD19-specific CAR T-cells produced using the piggyback transposon system to insert the chimeric antigen receptors into T-cells. That study included 10 patients who had B-cell malignancies that relapsed or persisted following matched related allogeneic hematopoietic stem cell transplantation. Nine of ten patients survived at least 28 days and thus were evaluable for response. The complete remission rate was 100%. Two of the patients underwent a second HSCT while in ongoing remission. With a median follow-up of 18 months, five remained in complete remission. The longest duration of remission at cutoff was 27.4 months. Overall survival ranged from 6 to 29 months, with median overall survival not reached. Unfortunately, two of the patients went on to develop a new lymphoma composed of the CAR T-cells themselves, after achieving complete remission of their primary disease. In both cases, that diagnosis was based on a new observed mass of monoclonal T-cells. In the first patient, the mass was first detected on PET-CT about three months after treatment, and the diagnosis was established at 15 months. Following multiple biopsies, the patient was treated with cyclophosphamide, vincristine, and prednisolone, leading to a transient response. However, the patient died at 18 months due to complications of sepsis and multi-organ failure. These developments prompted the investigators to conduct PET-CT screening of other surviving patients. They found one patient with confirmed CD19 CAR T-cell lymphoma at 11.5 months after treatment. That patient received four cycles of augmented CHOP and proceeded to a second allogeneic HSCT. As of this report, 
the patient remained in remission for both the initial B-cell malignancy and the CAR T-cell lymphoma at 23.2 months. A detailed analysis of the first patient's lymphoma is reported in a separate manuscript in the current edition of Blood. That manuscript is entitled, Investigation of Product-Derived Lymphoma Following Infusion of Piggyback-Modified CD19 Chimeric Antigen Receptor T-Cells by Kenneth P. Micklethwaite of Westmead Hospital in Sydney and co-authors. Micklethwaite and co-colleagues report that the first patient's CAR T-cell lymphoma was composed of CD4-positive CAR T-cells with variable CD3 expression. The cells could not proliferate in vitro in response to CD19 antigen and had no evidence of tonic signaling from the T-cell receptor. Further, the malignant cells had reduced viability compared to non-malignant CAR T-cells. Molecular analysis demonstrated a high copy number of the transgene, but without evidence of insertion of the transgene into typical oncogenes. They also identified structural changes, including altered genomic copy number and point mutations unrelated to insertion sites. The malignant CAR T-cells displayed marked transcriptional changes compared to non-malignant CAR T-cells. In particular, the authors noted distinct clusters of upregulated genes that were associated with primitive embryonic development and cell-cell adhesion, while downregulated genes tended to be associated with regulation of cell adhesion, T-cell activation, and activation of phospholipase C. The widespread changes in transcription were believed to be due to transgene promoter-driven transcriptional read-through. In a related commentary on these reports, Authors state that the development of CAR T-cell lymphomas was unexpected. That's because the piggyback transposon integration sites overlap considerably with integration sites of retroviral vectors, which have a proven safety record in CAR T-cell therapy. According to authors Matthew H. Wilson of Vanderbilt University Medical Center in Nashville, Tennessee, and Stephen Gottschalk of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital in Memphis. The finding of CAR T-cell lymphomas in this study is of great concern, but should not deter future development of transposon-based gene delivery systems, according to Wilson and Gottschalk. On the contrary, they said the findings should spur research into safer transposon systems. That would mirror what happened about a decade ago when reports of retroviral-induced leukemias in gene therapy studies for immunodeficiencies led to the development of safer viral vectors. While the precise mechanism of CAR T-cell transformation remains unknown, investigators felt it was important to release this preliminary data as a cautionary note for other researchers exploring new gene modification technologies for the production of CAR T-cells. They hope that work using this transposon-based system will cautiously resume once they have a complete understanding of the mechanisms that led to malignancy. The final article is entitled, CD63 is regulated by iron via the IRE-IRP system and is important for ferritin secretion by extracellular vesicles. The first author is Aizumi Yanatori of Nagoya University Graduate School of Medicine in Japan. Findings of this report suggest that the vesicular protein CD63 aids in the secretion of iron-laden ferritin into extracellular vesicles suggesting that CD63 may enable transfer of iron-rich ferritin among cells. 
Ferritin is best known for its ability to store iron intracellularly in a bioavailable and non-toxic form. Ferritin can also be found in extracellular compartments, suggesting that it may play a role in both intracellular and extracellular spaces. However, the nature of ferritin's extracellular role and the mechanisms by which ferritin reaches the extracellular environment are not completely understood. Understanding of extracellular ferritin has increased in recent years. In a study that appeared in Blood in 2018, Truman Rosenzweig and co-authors reported that ferritin can be secreted from macrophages through pathways that involve extracellular vesicles. However, the trigger for ferritin secretion and its relationship to intracellular iron metabolism has not been discovered. Now in blood, Yanatori and co-authors demonstrate that an increase in iron levels results in increased expression of CD63, a tetraspanin protein that is highly expressed in extracellular vesicles. CD63 is known to contribute to secretion of extracellular vesicles, and it has been postulated that it plays a role in extracellular vesicle biogenesis. The investigations report now in blood indicate that CD63 expression is regulated by iron via the iron regulatory protein Iron Responsive Element System, or IRP-IRE system. They analyzed CD63 mRNA and found a canonical IRE site that was responsible for regulating the expression of CD63 in response to increases in iron. Furthermore, they found that cellular iron loading marketedly increased expression of CD63 and increased secretion of CD63-positive extracellular vesicles containing ferritin. Central to the process was nuclear receptor coactivator 4, or NCOA4. They observed two distinct pathways with regard to this cargo receptor. In iron-poor cells, NCOA4 directly binds to iron-containing ferritin, which is incorporated into autophagosomes to initiate ferritinophagy. In iron-loaded cells, ferritin associated with NCOA4 leads to extracellular secretion of ferritin through CD63-positive extracellular vesicles. In a commentary also published in Blood, Susie V. Torty and Frank M. Torty of the University of Connecticut Health Center say these results are consistent with a model in which induction of CD63 by iron promotes the removal of iron via secretion of iron-laden ferritin in extracellular vesicles. The investigators performed studies mainly in transformed human fibroblasts and then confirmed their results in other cell lines, including monocytes and hepatocellular carcinoma, suggesting that CD63-mediated ferritin secretion by extracellular vesicles may be a general pathway. However, further confirmation of the pathway is needed, since only transformed cells were studied, according to the commentary authors. Nevertheless, these findings are consistent with previous studies demonstrating that breast cancer cell secretion of ferritin in extracellular vesicles reduced the sensitivity of breast cancer cells to ferroptosis, a form of iron-dependent cell death. Taken together, the findings by Yanatori and co-investigators demonstrate that CD63, known to be involved in secretion of extracellular vesicles, is regulated by the IRE-IRP system. Under conditions of iron loading, intracellular ferritin is transferred via NCOA4 to CD63-positive extracellular vesicles, which are then secreted. This newly described mechanism provides further insight into the regulation of iron metabolism, 
especially with regard to the local cell-to-cell -cell exchange of ferritin and iron. You have been listening to The Blood Podcast. For a list of additional authors, as well as more detailed articles and commentaries on which this podcast is based, please go to www.bloodjournal.org. Be sure to join us next week for another episode. Thank you for listening.